create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're talking to everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and work-at-home mom who would love to devote more time to creative writing and journaling. And I'm Abigail Krebs, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm living my creative life nights and weekends after I get home from my full-time job at an ad agency. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. Welcome to episode 22 of Chasing Creative. This week, we are chatting with Stephanie Hammer. Stephanie is a freelance graphic designer with a passion for all things creative. Since graduating with her Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in 2015, she's worked for numerous businesses, bloggers, and other creatives, bringing brands and web designs to life, and has even freelanced for dream clients like Target. On weekends, you can find her with her cameras, and while she loves design, her true loves in life are her family and stuffed crust pizza. She believes that creativity is essential for living a full life and that everyone is creative. So thank you so much for joining us tonight, Stephanie. Yeah, I know. This is exciting. This is a neat opportunity, and you guys are so great. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we can definitely agree with you that Target would be a dream client, and we love a family and stuffed <laughs> crust pizza. So, you know, this should be a good conversation. Yeah, good. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about where you're at now and how you got here? So I'm a freelance graphic designer. Um, basically what I do is I work out of my home and I work for other companies and businesses and I do logos and like all of the best kind of things. When I was in school, this is what I dreamed of doing was this kind of work for these types of clients. And so I do logos and branding, websites, ebooks, online files, and a lot of social media graphics and stuff to put online, like on Facebook and on websites. And so that's what I do. That's, that's what I spend my days and my nights working on. And um, I don't really have a specialty. I like to think that I'm more of a creative person before I have like a specific thing that I do. Um, it makes me feel like I can do anything, and it makes me feel like I'm, I'm able to let myself do um, whatever I want. So one day I'll be designing a business card and logo and like a suite for a business, and the next day I can be out on my lawn painting and sign making and doing, um, what is it, doing commissioned artwork for people. And so I mm-hmm. love that. I love that I don't, I didn't pigeon my myself into something that I would get bored of. So the more that I work, hopefully one day I'll find my niche and what I want to do more seriously. But right now I'm just having so much fun working and doing um, all kinds of different things all day. And I couldn't dream of anything better. And so working as a freelancer gives me the flexibility to be able to um, create and do whatever I want to and more importantly learn because I think it's important not to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but to every once in a while expand to something that I've never done before. And that helps um, 
that to help helps me get better at what I already do and then helps me find new things that I love. And like that's the most important thing that above all my family is the most important thing. So I chose a um I chose a profession that I could stay home with my family, raise my kids, and that allows me to do that too. And so I feel like I get I get the creative portion of my needs and then I also get um, being a mom and doing what I've always wanted to do. And so having it and my family just brings like a fullness to my life. And so, so that's where I am. I work and I hang out with my family and that's about it. That is amazing. It's so great that you, you know, had enough foresight to kind of think through what can I do that's going to allow me to stay home, which is my biggest goal, but also, you know, pursue all of these different creative paths. So kudos to you for kind of making a dream job for yourself. I know Ashley has kind of done the same thing. I'm not quite as diversified as you, I don't think. Like, I think it's awesome that you go between um, all those different projects, like you said, like one day you can be doing like pattern design or something and the next day you're working on commissioned artwork, which like, how cool is that? So that's really awesome. Yeah, I... I mean, I love it. It's again, it's something I always wanted to do. Like before I went to college, I decided that I wanted to be an art director for a fashion magazine. That was my dream. That was my big, you know, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to have this dream job. I'm going to be an art director for a magazine. And so I got accepted to Southern Utah University. And then I went um, into graphic design. And I thought that would be good. Um, and I just went, so I went to school. And one thing led to another, and by the time I graduated, I was like the outstanding scholar, and I was getting all of these amazing jobs and opportunities, and so I feel like, so I did, I did have that foresight to kind of make my dream job, but it also chose me at the same time, and I love that, and I had, again, a lot of opportunities, and my professors were really great because they helped me. When I had my son, my last semester of school, and I don't know if I'm going off topic, but... Oh, no. No, and so it was <laughs> It was just amazing. I feel like everything came together, and I was able to complete my degree and complete my training to the point where I could take it and go make my own work in my own business. Yeah, and so it sounds like wanting to be an art director, you know, that's definitely a creative pursuit, even though that's not eventually where you ended up. So have you always had that creative drive? Like even when you were younger, did you always find yourself gravitating towards some sort of creative outlet? Yes, and that's that's kind of the thing that brought me back to design after, you know, all was said and done after I'd done all of my high school education, I finally decided what I wanted to do, but it was because... I had always had this drive to be creative. I have this little note that I wrote to Santa one year, and it says something like, Dear Santa, I'd like an art kit for Christmas with pens and crayons and paint so I can make pretty pictures. <laughs> and I still have that, and I still ask Santa for art supplies. Like, nothing's changed. Um, that is just perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and so I definitely have always had that creative drive to just create. I think that's anyone who's in the art or creative field, the writers and you know, making podcasts and just the, the want and the need to create something. And I remember specifically, uh, was before I was even in kindergarten or had any you know, training, but I made a picture of ducks 
for my dad who put it in a frame and hung it on his wall in his office. And I remember being so happy about that, that I had made something and it made me happy. And then someone else also found joy from it enough to put it in their office and look at it every day. And I've always held on to that. I don't even think my dad remembers that picture, (laughs) but I do. And it made an impact on my life that I think I kind of clung to that, that I can do something that makes me happy, that also might make someone else happy. Um, And so I did that. And then in third grade, I had this teacher and she let us do a giant watercolor painting of whatever we wanted to do. And it was 11 by 14, which I thought was giant at the time. It was unheard of to be able to take (laughs) such a large canvas and do something with it. Um, And so we could do whatever we wanted. And I chose a can of chicken soup, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) But I look at it now and I think, oh, yeah, that was very, you know, Andy Warhol of me to take something so simple. and So precocious. (laughs) I know. And it just makes me laugh to this day. I still have it. It's in a box somewhere downstairs. But I was so proud of it. I painted it. It was huge. It took up the whole page. And I was so happy about it. And, it, you know, it doesn't look that great. But in that moment in time, it was the most gorgeous thing I'd ever seen. And that was when I was like, okay, I need to make more stuff. I need to do more of this kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so I was... I was pretty creative. I used to make books about using like 18. Do you guys remember the band 18? I would take, yeah. 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 I would do the silliest things. I would take these 18 lyrics and make books about how to get a boy or girl to like you using those 18 <laughs> lyrics as like pickup lines or something. Oh, self-help manuals. Right. And I just wanted to create and share it with people and improve their lives. And they know, like them. The thing that makes me laugh is, okay, when I was 10 years old, I got my down-the-street neighbor, who, she was pretty creative, too. She wanted to start a band with me, and, <laughs> you know, we were kind of fed <laughs> off each other's creative endeavors, but I helped, I asked her to help me write stories about stuff that was going on in the neighborhood, like, you know, oh, so-and-so dug a hole in their backyard, or there's a new bridge going in or just random things. And we would write it up. I would type it up and I'd lay it out using this, this very old program. And I would make little like one page newspapers and I would distribute them to the neighborhood once a week. And I took the cost of paper and the cost of ink and divided it by how many pages I'd used. And then I Um, put a price on it. It was only 10 cents, but I knew what I was doing. (laughs) That is very business-minded for that age. I feel like most people would be like, I didn't pay for the ink that was in the printer my parents have. (laughs) Right, and it's it's something that you don't really think about, but I was so adamant about being so professional and so precise about it, and it's just a lot of stuff like that. Like I was on the school newspaper when I was in high school. I did the photography and the layout, and I was an editor during my senior year. And the the my first like graphic design piece that I can remember was the final layout section of the newspaper for the senior senior issue. And I took the whole spread and I made it look like a refrigerator. 
and each thing was connected to the paper by magnets. So it looked like there were pictures and quotes and things that were ripped out of magazines put all over the page. And I was so proud of it. <laughs> and you should have <laughs> been. I know. Well, it was just something I'd never been able to do because a newspaper has a specific layout mm-hmm. you have to stick to in typography. And I was able to take the creative reins on that and really give it my all. So that was the first graphic design project that I did my senior year of high school. And then I went to college. So that was, you know, from pre-kindergarten to graduating high school, I was pretty creative. (laughs) I would say so, most definitely. And like Ashley said, like not many kids would have thought to calculate in the cost of the ink and the paper that they were using that their parents had obviously bought before you distributed your once a week newspaper. And the fact that you were even creating on a schedule like once a week, that's impressive for a 9, 10, 11 year old. Like we don't think in timelines like that. No, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> That's still impressive for most bloggers now. Like oh, most yes. bloggers are like, I can't get on a schedule. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, goodness. So you said you've always been a creative person, but I know you shared on Instagram a couple of months ago that you almost became a radiology technician. And I never even know if I say that right. Is that like the right name of the profession? Yeah, radiology I believe technician? so. Okay. So yes. how did you end up being a graphic designer instead? Like what went through your mind? Like, oh, I'm going to be a rad tech. Oh, wait, I can't do that. So what happened? Um, so I knew that I'd always want to do something creative, uh, but I met my husband my first semester of school. And then after we got married, I decided, you know, I'm going to take a break from school for a little while. And I got a job um, in an admitting office for a children's hospital. And it was a really great job, and they had all of these programs that would pay for your schooling mm-hmm. while you worked for them. And so I was looking into those programs. I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe I could do something still in the creative field, but more medical, more of a medical background. And so I was looking, and they had a radiology program that you could go into. And I thought, oh, imaging, photography, you know, attention to details. And then I'd still be able to serve and have that, um, that career that would save lives and make my dad proud and, you know, all that (laughs) stuff that you consider when you're considering a career. Um, and so I was looking into it. I was applying to schools. I was looking into programs and, and at the same time, I was also moonlighting and doing graphic design projects for people. And It was really, really late one night, but I was sitting there and I was working on my computer and I just thought, you know what? No, like this is what I want to do. Obviously, this is what I want to do because I'm staying up all hours of the night to do it. I had this full-time job and I'd come home and I'd immediately hop on my computer and do graphic design work. And so I thought, yeah, like I'm going to go back to school. And at first it was hard because I went to a school that was an hour away from my house. So I would get done with work. I would drive for an hour through traffic and all the nasty stuff that happens with rush hour. And I would get there, go to class for a few hours, drive all the way back home, do my homework, do my online classes. And then I would have to go to sleep in time to wake up the next day at 5.30 to get to my job. And I remember that it was so hard, but it was so worth it. 
because I just loved what I was doing. I loved it and I didn't want to do anything else except for what I was doing. And one day during my lunch break, I was sitting and I had this big composition I was laying out and sketching and I was eating this day-old Red Robin hamburger <laughs> that I heated up in the microwave. And I remember sitting back and thinking, if I could do this for the rest of my life, I would be so set. And so I did. After, you know, after that semester, I went to a different school. We were closer. Things worked out better. And after that, it just, it worked out. So yeah, I, I almost was a radiology tech. I had applied, but yeah, I just decided that graphic design was definitely what I wanted to do. Yeah, you know you've really found your calling when you're, like you said, like you're staying up all night to work on something and you're not resentful about it and like you're eating like bad leftovers and you're okay with it because you've got this crazy schedule and you're like, yeah, but it's worth it because I'm doing something I love doing. So that's definitely a sign if there ever was one. Right. And I've, I haven't read uh, Big Magic. Have you guys, I'm sure you guys have read yeah. or at least heard about that book. Well. I don't know. Have you finished it yet, Abby? You were reading it slow. I have not. No, I'm taking that one very, very slow. And I haven't touched it for a couple of weeks because I haven't been able to like sit down for an hour and read. And I just, I want to savor that one. Yeah, it seems so good. But I remember watching, she did an interview with someone on a YouTube channel, but she, she said something like, sorry, I don't swear, but she said something along the lines of, which crap sandwich do you want to eat yeah. every day? <laughs> and I love that because, you know, you have to choose. You have to decide, mm-hmm. do I love this enough to keep um, going through all of the negative and the bad things like staying up late, working with a weird schedule, mm-hmm. clients, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do you love it enough to keep going? Yes, I do. Okay, let's keep mm-hmm. going. And so I definitely found that in my job. And I love hearing her say that because I'm saying, okay, yes, like, I'm not, you know, going against the grain here. I'm actually doing what I want to do, and I'm choosing to do that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and that's such a good point, too, that, like, just because you're doing the creative thing that you love doesn't mean that it's not going to come with its own brand of crap that you have to deal with, you know? Like, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies, but if it's the thing that you love doing, then you'll take the bad along with the good. Right, and I love that because it's, it is so true, and I wish more people knew that before they went into a creative field, because I feel like people go in and it gets too hard, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. say, never mind. I just want to grab them and say, no, like if you love it, if this is what you love, keep going, keep trying. <laughs> yeah, that is I such an important that. message. Um, and so going along with that, like in addition to doing all that stuff, like the working and the going to school and the eating leftovers and the crap sandwiches and all that stuff. (laughs) In addition to all of that, you have a toddler age son that you are also taking care of and like putting pretty front and center in your life because you're a mom. So how do you balance um, like being with your son and being with your family and also keeping up with your creative projects? I'm going to be a hundred percent real with you. I don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't know how I do it. And I feel like I'm always learning little tricks or little tools on how to do it better. And so I decided when I was going to be, you know, when I decided to have my son and I thought I'm going to be a mom, this is what I've always wanted to do, but I am going to be a designer too, because there's no reason I can't do both. And I decided when I'm working, I'm working, 
And when I'm momming, I'm momming. There's like no overlap. I try not to overlap because I don't want my son to look at my creative endeavors and say, oh yeah, that's the stuff that mom does when she wants to ignore me. Like, I don't mm-hmm. ever want him to think that. I don't ever want him to think that my work is more important than him or my job is, you know, more worth my time than he is. So I always try to separate the two as long as I, as much as I can. And so I do mm-hmm. that by getting things done when he is out of the picture. So that means nap time, bedtime, and any time that he is with someone else and not directly with me. And I think that 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 works out really, really well for me because during the day, during when he's awake and he has his time where he's learning and playing, that I get to do that too. I get to take care Mm -hmm. of the house and go to the park and go to the library and play with the, the cars and take him to the park. And I get to do all of that stuff. And then as soon as he goes down for his nap, I switch into designer mode and it works out so well for me because the whole two hours that he sleeps, I am just cranking out work. I am in the creative zone. I am doing what I love and it's giving me energy. So by the end of those two hours, um, I've done work. I've been creative. I have energy that I'm taking and then I get to give it back to him. And I love that. And sometimes when he wakes up from his nap, I'll bring him in with me. I'll set him down on my lap and I'll put a little YouTube or Netflix show (laughs) on in the corner of the screen while I wrap things up. So I let him know that like, yes, I'm working on something, but we're also doing something really fun and I'm almost done. And that really, that works out for me. So I don't, I don't know if I have the secret sauce or anything on how to be a successful freelancer while also taking care of my son, but it's definitely deciding to put the two separate from each other. Um, I know that my husband is really, really supportive about what I do. So he'll come home from school or work and he'll take Beckham away for a little while if he knows that I have a deadline or I just need some time to relax and work. I know it's kind of silly that like relaxing for me is working mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't stress me out. I feel like I'm not working. I feel like I'm uh, this energy in the universe is coming through me and I get to create. And that's, he's really, really good about giving me those moments and making sure that I don't feel like I'm trying to juggle mm-hmm. more than I'm just being. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So And I love that. And my parents are really good too. Like sometimes I'll have work in a different city that they want me to come in and work in their office for the day. So I will drop him off at my parents' house on the way over and he gets to hang out with his grandparents for the day and I get to work and be a big shot designer in the city for the day. And then they come home and I have all this energy and I want to spend time with them and we want to play. And I... It works out so well like that, and I don't know. It's it's almost like it sounds amazing. Yeah, and I don't really know <laughs> if that's the right thing to do. If that's the right thing, um, but it definitely works out for me, and it definitely makes me the happiest. 
Yeah, that's something that we've heard from a lot of moms that we have on here is that like, okay, nap time is like sacred for doing work or creative work or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's how I handle things right now too is um, my daughter is almost two and I've found that just the age that she's at right now, you know, even when she's playing independently, toddlerhood is sort of an age where there's not that much independence, like it's a growing independence. Mm -hmm. And so they do still need your attention. You can't be like, okay, sit here and like color on your sketch pad or something. And I'll be over here doing my work. Um, that's something I hope to be able to do with her once she's older. Um, because I eventually want her to see me working on creative things. But right now, I find that that's like, that's when my work becomes stressful is if I try to like do things while she's there because it just doesn't work. But if I keep the two totally separate, it's like you said, like it doesn't feel that much like work because you enjoy doing it. So it's really just about, um, for right now anyway, it's really a lot about keeping things separate on my end as well. Like that's what you described is pretty much exactly how I get things done too. So (laughs) Yeah, and then you don't have that guilt either, that horrible, like, crushing mom guilt where you you feel bad that, oh, I'm ignoring my child, oh, I'm doing this, because it's important to have something for yourself, Um, but you shouldn't feel that guilt because it's important, and again, separating that, like you said, is is the way to do that, where you feel your best, you feel your happiest, and it works out for everyone. I definitely agree. Kids are awesome, though. I love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> that that just sounds perfect. I love that you guys have figured out a system that makes you or that allows you to both be a mom and be really awesome, amazing creatives in a job that you love. I just think that, you know, more women, I think, would be happier or at least feel a little bit more full, like you said at the beginning of the episode, Stephanie, if they could do a little bit of both and make it work. Right. Right. And it's, it's interesting because yeah, people, moms don't really consider that because they want to put their kids first. They want Mm -hmm. to sacrifice. They want to do the goodness that comes from being a mom. But I think that they don't understand or they don't realize that being able to take time for yourself rejuvenates you and gives you that extra energy you need to bring it back to your kids, like taking a break or, you know, it's as important Mm -hmm. as taking a shower. I think for me is Mm -hmm. you feel refreshed. You take some time for yourself and then you can go back and do more. And it's funny. I don't know if you guys know who Jessica Hish is. She's a letterer designer in San Francisco and Brooklyn, but she's a role model of mine, but she recently had her, first baby kind of around the same time that I did and she's a freelancer just like I am but she said something along the lines of um, people don't realize the freelance system is geared towards un- or single 25 year old adults in perfect health or something <laughs> like that and it's so true and I think that it goes back to that that hard thing is that moms want to I'm sure that they want to do something like this where they want to be creative or have a side business or do something for themselves, but they look at it and they think, no way, there's no way I could do that. 
So yeah, it sounds like you and your husband, though, have kind of a really great teamwork thing going on. So, you know, he goes to work and you're home with Beckham for the day. And then when he comes home, he kind of gives you a little bit of a break, takes him away, you know, goes outside, goes and does something fun with him. So they get some bonding time, too. Um, But your husband's also a creative individual. I know he's an architect and also going to school, you mentioned. So what is it like to be married to someone who is also an artist of sorts? Do you think that encourages your own creativity? Yes, I do. I think so. He's an architect and he does work and he does go to school. So he does the whole gamut of being an architecture creative student and I love it. Um, so as far as creativity goes, it's really cool because he supports me 100% with anything I'm doing. And it's amazing because I don't have to fight him or convince him or tell him, you know, what mm-hmm. I'm doing matters. This is important to me. Like, I'll say something like, like, oh, I think we should go, you know, to the museum next weekend because I really want to see this new exhibit. And I think it'd be really cool for this project I have coming up. And he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's go. (laughs) Like, okay. And it's stuff like that. And if I have any gear that I want to get or any new products or things to try and test out, he's like, oh, yeah, let's go get it right now. Let's go. And that means the world to me. And I do the same for him. He, He wants... A 3D printer for his birthday. It's something that's not <laughs> conventional at all. But she's like, oh, it'd be so cool. Yep. We could make really cool things. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I feel like you just <laughs> automatically have cool factor. If you can say, yeah, I'll just like print that on my 3D printer. No big deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right but it, it's stuff like that that it, it benefits both of us. Like to have something mm-hmm. like that but also to be able to support each other and we grow and we learn together. And I think that is the coolest thing about having him as an architect and a husband. Um, But so what we do is really different. Like I'm a graphic designer and he's an architect. So he works with spatial reasoning and spaces and being present in 3D. And I work in the two-dimensional mostly, like layouts and having it look nice and be understandable. And so we feed off of each other like that. So he helps me learn how to balance things visually and think logically versus thinking like a designer. Um, and I don't really get how to do spatial reasoning and that stuff. (laughs) And so he helps me be like, well, if you put that there, that doesn't really make sense. I'm like, why? (laughs) It looks fine. (laughs) He's like, well, you know, he'll, he'll list a bunch of things off. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'll redo it and he'll say, oh yeah, that feels better. And I don't know why, but he yeah. does. And, and he, he's your beta tester. Right. Right. And he can tell me exactly why it's not working. And I'll say, oh, this doesn't feel right. And he'll say, well, this is probably why. And I love that. And then when he makes like a poster or a presentation or lays things out, and I'm like, no, 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 you can't put that there. And he's like, oh, why? <laughs> and so it works together because he takes the stuff that I know. It works really, um, works really hard to take it into consideration. And then I take what I don't know from him and put it into my work. And it makes us both better designers for sure. Um, one thing that I did recently for him is he was designing a winery for this location in Napa. It was all... I know it wasn't real, but 
it was a full-on project, and he asked me to design the branding and what it looks like and the wine labels, and I had to mock up all of these wine bottles and these packages and these logos for him, and he brought it to his professor, and his professor loved it. Everyone who looked at it was like, oh, this is so great. And so in that instance, he was able to have an extra an extra, you know, X factor in his project mm-hmm. that made it stand out for him and his professors and his schooling. But it also made me feel pretty good because I was able to help him and work with him and then also kind of get that validation that I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I can function in a world that isn't my world. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sounds like it would just be like a fun little project for you. That's And you could even put that in your portfolio, too, that sort of thing. So, Right, and it's fun stuff like that. And like I said, well, he loves going to things with me, too. And so um, I'm in the Salt Lake Lettering Club. I don't know if you guys have ever seen anything from it, no. but it's just a bunch of designers. We get together once a month and... We letter and we have teachers come and teach us how to do new things. And every time I want to go, he's like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Do you want me to watch Beckham for you? Yeah, that'd be great. Great, let's do it. And I go to his receptions and I meet with him and his other architects and I get to mingle. And so we just, we really work together. I don't know if I could have picked a better husband for the field that I'm in and the field that he's in. It's not that I picked him because he was going to be an architect, but I think it really worked out. It worked yeah. out. <laughs> I love that you're like a 2D slash 3D power couple almost. You're like, I don't know, the Beyonce and Jay-Z yes. of the design world. Why not? Yeah. They're very complementary yeah. skill sets. And I think it's funny yeah. because Abby and I are both used to like our husbands are not like into writing at all. <laughs> and so, no. so we're like, I mean, not like they're not supportive, but it's just interesting to hear from people who have um like really complementary skill sets with their spouses because mm-hmm. we don't have that I don't think <laughs> no well it's no. hard it's uncommon I mean you think about mm-hmm. the Ames couple and how one of them was a painter and the other one was an architect and they designed furniture mm-hmm. like I don't think that you, you normally have those kind of I guess quote power couples but when mm-hmm. you do, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It is. Like I always think about that, and every time people say, "Oh, so what do you do? You know, what are your jobs?" And I say, "Oh, I'm a designer." My husband goes, "I'm an architect," and they go, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely that's, good that's for both really of us. Neat. Yeah, I just I love him. I love us. <laughs> gonna say and you can just hear the joy in your voice too I think it makes it all all worth it all of the late nights and all of the going to schools and and all of the crazy weeks so I know you used to share your pretty fun life on a lifestyle blog and you shared really fun photos of your family and some of your creative projects and within the last six months or so you've kind of just walked away from it you've decided that blogging was not for you can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of came to that decision in a world where everybody wants to be so present on the internet while you're kind of walking away? Right. And so I, I did have my blog. I had it for a while and it changed names quite a few times. And I mean, it's fun. Blogging is fun and it's addicting. Mm-hmm. And 
<laughs> when you do it, you just want to do it more and you want to read more and consume more. And it can be really uplifting and inspiring to those who do it correctly. Um, but me, it turned out to be something that it wasn't adding value to my life. Um, so, so what happened was after I graduated from college, I hit this wall where nothing made sense anymore because mm -hmm. I didn't have the constant pressure of school and deadlines and work. It was just gone. One day it just all ended. And I had my son, I think, like I said, I had my son the Friday before my senior year of college started. Oh, wow. And so I had him on Friday, came home from the hospital on Sunday, and was in my class on Monday afternoon. And then, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, know, I mean, it was kind of funny. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, how was your summer? I'm like, oh, I had a baby. <laughs> oh, okay. No big deal. <laughs> And, you know, so that's all I knew. I knew yeah. being a mom 24-7, I knew working hard at my job and working hard at my schooling, and that's what I did for nine months straight. It was just, I never had a moment yeah. to myself. It was always other people or my work or my schooling. Mm -hmm. And I graduated, and it was gone. It yeah. was like I had this empty something that had to be filled and I was taking care of my son, but it had never just been me and him before. Maybe my husband, he would go to school and he would be gone from six in the morning until 10 o'clock at night at the earliest. And it was just me and I didn't know what to do. It was, it was amazing. It was this weird, stressful, like quiet environment that I didn't know what to do with. So basically what I did is I thought, what can I do? I can work. Oh, I can blog. That's one thing I can do. Mm -hmm. And so I picked it up and I tried filling that void of putting, you know, making a schedule and making a post to write and thinking about what I wanted to do with my blog, what direction I wanted to take it in. And I did it and people started giving me free stuff in return for reviews. They started asking me to promote stuff and inviting me to parties and all this stuff. And so I was posting and doing these things, but I didn't feel like I didn't feel authentic. It just felt like I was going through the motions, trying to fill my mm -hmm. time doing what I thought was supposed to be done when you have a blog. And so I did it for a little while and I kind of stopped. And then I made a decision. I was like, I feel so good when I don't have to worry about whether or not people are liking me because I'm posting or I'm, I look mm -hmm. pretty in my pictures or I'm making good work. And so I stopped for a little bit and it was amazing. So I just made the decision. I thought, you know, I love not having to go out with my family and make sure we all look nice. Let's all look <laughs> nice. Let's take my big camera out. Let's go take some cute photos. Let's do some fun things. I loved not being able to have to worry about that. And I think when you choose to be a blogger, you just accept that that's what you do is mm -hmm. you, you go through all those motions and people can do it and they love it and they're, in, they're influencers and that's what they do. But I did that and I didn't like it. Yeah. And so it I, felt too manufactured. Right. Right. It felt like I wasn't being authentic or true to my own self and to my truth. And mm -hmm. so I decided to stop and I have never looked back. 
Like I said, it was about six months ago, and I haven't opened up my blogging platform. I haven't even looked at my site to know if people are commenting on it anymore. And it is so freeing. I'm so excited that I did it, and I don't regret it for one second. And that's a really brave decision right now when it seems like everybody is jumping into blogging because they either want to make money from it or because it's like a creative outlet for them, and then they sort of get... there's a turning point for a lot of people I think where it goes from being a creative outlet to where it turns into this like I don't know like you get sucked into the system somehow and it's like oh now I have to blog the same way everybody else blogs or like oh now I have to Mm -hmm. make sure I'm super professional about it because people are paying me for things or people are sending me things to review and it just it does it can get really stressful and I'm not even somebody who's like Like, I only blog for my business. I've never had a lifestyle blog or anything like that. But I can see where that would be so much pressure on you and your whole family to just always be presenting that front. Right. I remember one day we went out somewhere. We were, like, at the park or something. And I was taking pictures of Beckham. And I was getting pictures of, like, me and Beckham. And my husband just looked kind of sad. And I was like, hon, what's wrong? Like, you're not having fun. And he was like, no, I'm just sorry that I don't look good today. Aww. I'm sorry that I'm not presentable. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> I was like, we are having so much fun. I was like, I love doing this. I love taking pictures. I love hanging out with you. And he's like, yeah, but you can't post them if I look ugly. Aww. I was like, what am I doing with my life? That is so sad. That's like heartbreaking and, to hear. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and it just made me really think. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I putting this pressure on my family? Like, yeah. let's go have fun, but please try to look your best. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you never actually even said those words out loud, no. but he kind of, like, he knew what you were doing. He knew kind of, you know, your business model and all that kind of thing. So, of course, he was trying to be supportive and look his best, and it just wasn't working for him that day. <laughs> Yeah, and so that just made me feel so bad. That's one of the things that really made me think, no, like, I cannot do this anymore if this is how it's affecting my family. Yeah, do you still do any sort of blogging, like, associated with your graphic design business? So with, like, do you ever post, like, projects that you're working on or things like that? Or have you sort of just let, like, all of blogging go away? (laughs) I have just let it all go away. I think eventually in the future, I have ideas for these businesses that I want to start. And part of that is getting back online, getting that online presence Mm -hmm. back. But I think if I do that, it's going to be more focused on my work. And my family will be secondary Mm -hmm. on a website like that. Um, But I definitely have thought about it a lot because I want to share my work and I want to do it in a cohesive environment that that's what people are expecting to see when they go but no I I like you know I do guest posts for blogs about my work or about my profession and that's usually really fun but again it's that I'm sitting down and I'm doing a photo shoot and I'm making sure all my things look nice and it makes me really stressed for a little while (laughs) and then I get done and I say was that worth it (laughs) was all that stress worth it And usually it is, but if it's not, that's when I'm like, okay, we're not doing this. Oh, that's a really good litmus test for whether or not you want to take on a project. Like, will the stress be worth it? Because I think every project has at least a little bit of stress. I mean, kind of like earlier, which crap sandwich do you want to eat every day? (laughs) Like, every single job has a crap sandwich attached to it, but what's your flavor? (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
Um, so kind of just for fun, what is your favorite font or font family at the moment? I don't think we've interviewed someone who does like hand lettering and calligraphy yet. So I'm very interested to hear. So, so fonts, I think people know this, but fonts Mm -hmm. and hand lettering are totally different because you have a font and it's a collection of the styles of a certain typeface and the typeface is what the font looks like. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes. So like in the old days, a font, you'd say, I am buying a font of copper something. And that means you were buying a set of that typeface. So when you do hand lettering, it's all by hand. Mm -hmm. And even if you put it onto a computer and eventually do that, hand lettering starts with the hand and still looks like it was done by hand. Fonts are manufactured... (laughs) And it goes through a rigorous process until it looks like what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So I love, love, love hand lettering and calligraphy and doing all of that. But I have this one font family that is my absolute favorite. And it's called Gotham. And I don't know if you guys have looked it up or know what it looks like. But if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I like it too. (laughs) Because it's... It's a neutral typeface in that it looks like those old neon signs that you would see where it just looks like a normal typeface, normal font, um, but it also looks modern and sophisticated, and it has structure. So if you can kind of mm-hmm. imagine why I love it, it's strong, and it also lends itself to like this classic, sophisticated look. And my favorite letter forms are the the G and the R. And I feel like I'm nerding out. That's, this but... is the perfect level of nerd for this podcast. Trust us. Good. Good. Well, I so the uppercase G and the uppercase R are my... Every time I look at a new typeface or a font, that's what I look at okay. to tell if whether or not I like it. And the G and the R of the Gotham, just the normal, not narrow, not anything, just normal Gotham G and R. They are so basic that they have these, what is it, the ratio mm-hmm. in the aesthetics that make you look at it and go, oh, that's a good G. Oh, that's a good R. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that makes any sense. But no, it totally does. When I think about like the font or the typeface, I think if there was the perfect example, if we could send an example to space or put it in a time capsule of what our letter, our alphabet looks like these days, this would be the one I would choose because it's, it's just, I think it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, it fits everything. If you want more of a modern touch, you can use a bold typeface. If you want more of like a, a thin classic look, then you use a thinner typeface or a more narrow typeface and, And so, and that's why I love it. I use it all the time for a lot of different things. And I can go, you know, on and on about why I think it's amazing that I think anyone who will go and look at it or if they see a logo or something that has that used in it, they go, oh yeah, 
yeah that, that's nice that's a nice typeface <laughs> yeah I just googled it while we were talking about it and I was like yeah. oh yeah okay because I had I had to take this class when I was in college all the English majors had to take it it was called intro to layout and it was for graphic designers but um, they were like not sure what to do with us English majors because we were there to learn sort of like a little bit of InDesign so we weren't totally lost if we went into publishing mm-hmm. and right. they just like didn't know what to do with us so they tried teaching us like all these technical things about fonts and we were like we don't understand these letters make up <laughs> words and we can write words but like we don't get it so it's really fun to hear someone like totally geeking out about something that I do not <laughs> understand at all but then I can look it up and be like yeah, it's a nice looking G. It's a nice R. I can, I can see that. Like, I don't know why. It's probably like you with your husband and the spatial reasoning. You're like, I don't know why, but you're right about that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I think it was, so Alan Rickman, he used to be a graphic designer. I don't think a lot of people know that. I did not so know are that. are we talking he... Alan Rickman, the actor, i.e. Professor yes. Snape? Yes. I had no idea. Yes, he was a graphic designer before he went into acting, and he actually worked, I can't remember exactly where he worked, but he worked in a big firm, and I think he actually started his own business, and that he called, he called the spacing between letters a religion, oh. and I agree. <laughs> I think, now you get to the point where you're looking at a G, and you're going, oh yes, that is a nice G. You have to stop and think, like, okay. yeah I love this I do I like it a lot I don't even know where I was going with that but it just made me think that yeah we geek out because we love it and it's it's definitely geekable (laughs) I totally agree had I had more time in school to add like another major it would have probably been well I majored in literature and history I probably would have added like art history and should have probably done some graphic design classes. So I, <laughs> I, a hundred percent love like have some favorite fonts and font families, and just always kind of cringe when someone uses a really bad one. So yeah, it uh, it works. Um, so font families and typefaces inspire you. What about other sources of inspiration? Like where do you kind of get ideas, or where do you go when the well is dry and you need just a little bit of an uptick in your step? So. I know my professors would just cringe and die inside if they heard me say this, but a lot of the time I just have my clients make a Pinterest board Mm -hmm. and then make pull inspiration images and things that they've liked that they've seen in design. And then I just go on Pinterest and I add stuff and I see what's related to it and I pull all of this stuff together. And that's what I use to show my clients Mm -hmm. what I want to do with their work and make a mood board from it and stuff. But when I want to pull inspiration, I look into the work. So I work with a lot of creatives, like photographers and bloggers, and um, like I did work for Target. So what I do is I go and I look at what they're doing and what the core of their message is, Mm -hmm. and then I take stuff from that, and then I go and I do my own research, aside from the visual research, so it's more about feelings and words and um, ideas that I get and then I go back and I find those visual elements but I go to like different websites and I have these books and I'm always looking through like the big book of layouts I use that a lot and I use of course Ellen Lepton's typography books are amazing and 
so I go through and I have my own process, but I love that I don't do a lot of research where I'm pulling things from other people mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but mostly what I do is I try to make sure that I have a constant stream of creative conscious. So creative, yes, constant stream of creative conscious that I glean from and I take work from without knowing it. And I think that that helps me work better than having something that I'm actually looking at. Mm -hmm. And it helps me not feel like I'm copying other people because Mm -hmm. I think it was Albert Einstein who said something like, you know, the key to creativity is knowing how to hide your sources. (laughs) And I mean, it's true because in this world, there's literally, there's literally nothing that hasn't already been made or created. And Mm -hmm. so every new project, every new design comes from this collective conscious that we already have. And so what I do is I stay up to date with the latest trends and the latest designs via websites and blogs. So that's where the blogging comes back in. Mm -hmm. But I like websites like Communication Arts, uh, How Design Company, and the AIGA, which is the International Graphic Design Association. I look at their website and the blogs. I take classes on Skillshare. I listen to Debbie Millman's podcast called Design Matters. And I also get out of the house. I go to the creative clubs around here. I go hang out with Nick in his studio. I, I make sure that I'm always having good stuff coming in because that's what gets regurgitated out when I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So more than anything, I just like to make sure that I'm always surrounding myself with good design. And then from that, I can take an idea. So let's say my photographer client behind it is she wants to be true and real. And I think, okay, what is true and real? And I think of all of these concepts and colors and designs and I pull it in and I say, okay, I see this image that you found and I think that works really well with what you want. And then I keep, you know, pulling stuff that they Mm -hmm. want, putting my ideas in and then that's where we come up with the good, the good design. So if that makes sense, like I don't, <laughs> I try not to take inspiration directly from other people. It's more of a collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I think importantly for me is that I make sure that I get out of the house and I make sure that I'm not on the computer. That is the biggest drain of creative, like creativity for me is is having to be stuck on my computer working on a project for hours at a time. That is true for a lot of people, I think, in every creative Mm -hmm. industry. (laughs) Right. And I completely agree. I think it's so important to honestly just like get out of the house. It doesn't matter if I'm doing research or not by getting out of the house, but separating myself from the project, but still having it in my mind is Mm -hmm. so important to bringing, to making it a good experience for myself and my clients and making it a good project where I'm not just copying and piecing stuff together. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of looking at it. It's like you can sort of, it's almost like building on what other people have done where you're like looking at those ideas and then expanding on them and broadening them or combining them and just sort of making them your own. And like you said, you can't do that if you're going to sit there staring at a screen all day because 
if you're looking right. at a screen, a lot of the time it's because we're consuming something and you can't come up with those ideas of your own if you're stuck in that cycle of too much consumption. So sort of a catch-22 because you need the computer to do your work, but you have to get off it at some point. <laughs> you do. Right. And that's why I love sketching. I love my sketchbook. And again, my professors would be very proud of me <laughs> to know that I do this, but I always... I do my research and then I make sure that I give myself a couple days to not be on the computer for that project. I make sure that I have my sketchbook, I have my ideas, and I make sure that I am making those decisions and those changes while I'm not on the computer consumed in that project. Because then that's where the really good ideas come. You have the cliche ideas that you've already seen and you're kind of familiar with. And then the more you go and you draw and you sketch and you think, then you separate yourself from the cliche and that's where you get the original, not original, but that's where you get the content that's the best for that project. Yeah. That's, yeah, definitely separating is very important. I think that's good advice for any creative pursuit. I know a lot of the times when I write something, I have to like put it away for a day or two and sleep on it. And then come back with, you know, fresh eyes and a fresh perspective. And then things just like make more sense at that point. Right. And there's this amazing phenomenon. And this is kind of a little bit off topic, but there's this phenomenon in more of the corporate design setting where you have these higher ups, the accountants and the presidents and those who don't have a lot of experience with the creative process and what it takes to get a really good idea. Um, they'll sit down and they'll say, okay, we have this project. We need, you know, your first designs by tomorrow. And, you know, good designers, designers who do it for their profession, they'll sit down and they'll say, okay, but any designer will tell you that that is not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> that you yeah. need to take a break. You need to sit down and do your sketches, and then you need to come back and have a almost a post-mortem. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. You look at your ideas that are already there and aren't in your mind anymore, and then you decide that's a good one, that's a bad one, that's a good one. And then you have collaboration, and you work through it. And after a few days, after you've separated yourself from the project enough, that's when you get the good ideas. And so you have those people who are being being forced to make these decisions in a split second and to work overnight mm -hmm. because they have to, because they want to make good work, they want to make their bosses proud. But in order to give themselves time to make space in the project, they have to work through the night. They can't give themselves two days to work on it. They have to do mm -hmm. it the next day. And so they're burning out. These creative designers are burning out but then the uppers are saying, oh, yeah, this looks great. You did a great job. Okay, well, next time we don't have to give you as much time. Or next mm -hmm. time we know you can do it overnight. Like, that's great. <laughs> that's part of the beauty of being a freelancer is that you can set your own parameters and deadlines. Or if somebody wants something really quickly, you can explain to them, like, well, that's not really how the creative process works. And here's, here's <laughs> why you will be better off if you give me more time because your design will be mm -hmm. better. And if you don't like right. it, you can go hire someone else. I mean, exactly. Or, and that's what I love about this too, is mm -hmm. I say, I know how I work. I know how I get my ideas. And I can tell you right now that this is a two to three turnaround, like time, two to three day turnaround. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. 
and then I don't have to explain it. I just say, here's the yeah. great <laughs> stuff I came up with over these past few days. And they go, oh, I love it. It looks so nice. And But, yeah, definitely. Everybody yeah. wins. Yeah, and it's perfect. And that's another reason why I love being a freelancer. I love making my own hours and doing my own work. I guess it's a little selfish, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on your creative process and everything that inspires you. And one thing that Abby and I love talking about with our guests in our mini book club is books that inspire us and that encourage our creativity. So we would love to hear if you have any books that you really love um, for inspiration or for creativity or just for something that you've read lately that you're really enjoying. So I thought about this. I have a few titles that I've really liked. Um, I don't usually stay in a book longer than a couple days just because my brain, <laughs> I don't know, I like to plow through. I like to read it all and consume it and then take what I mm -hmm. took from it and kind of let it pee. But anyway, so I love, there's Jessica Hish's book that just came out a little while ago. It's called In Progress, but she's an amazing designer, hand letterer. And what she does is in the book, she takes you through the process step by step. She tells you exactly what tools she's working with, exactly what paper she's writing on or what notebook she has. And she tells you how to go from an idea to this beautiful vectored hand-drawn image. And I just, I read it in one afternoon. I just, I flipped through it. I looked through all of her beautiful work and... <laughs> I just, I felt so inspired and I went and I got a few of the tools that she recommended that I didn't already have. And I don't know if you were a budding designer or you have any interest at all in hand lettering and want to know how it's done, definitely read that book, pick it up and, you know, go through it because it is incredible. And I guess what I love most about her and her book is that she did have her baby the same time that I did. And even though she's this high-up professional and I'm, you know, I just work at a very small scale, I love feeling that camaraderie that we're both working through these mm -hmm. working mom designer issues and trying to balance family and work. And just mm -hmm. the whole book and the whole idea behind it of her wanting to share her work and how to do it just gives me hope that I'm not being ostracized from the design world. <laughs> <laughs> And so I loved it. If you guys want to read it, seriously, like just go. You don't even have to buy it. Just, yeah, that sounds yeah. so good. No, it's awesome. And I do have, I mean, there's a couple other books that I've loved in the past. There's a book called On Being a Photographer. It's by David Hearn. And he does an interview with this photographer named Bill Jay. And they go through and they, there's all of these exercises in it, like, what do you love? Why are you a photographer? At the heart of it all, if you weren't being paid, what would you do? Like, It makes mm -hmm. you, even if you're not a photographer, which I kind of am, but I do it for myself, not usually for other people. Um, it's definitely one to look at that makes you think really, really deep about yourself and what you want to do with mm -hmm. your creative life. So it's definitely mm -hmm. a really good one to look into. And then, of course, uh, Bossy Parents by Tina Fey. She is one of my favorite ladies, and I read that book so many times, and I think it's important to, I don't think the creative world is necessarily a boy's game, but, you know, you can talk about feminism and being a woman and all that good stuff, mm -hmm. and I have a lot of opinions about that, but 
it's it's hard to encapsulate Tina Fey in like a sentence or two. Right. <laughs> right. Well, she has this. Yeah, she just instills this idea that it doesn't matter at what point in my life I am, I can take control and I can do a good job and I can, you know, kick butt or whatever. So that's what I love the yeah. idea of that book. And then there's uh, this designer. Her name is Louise Feely. And she is from Italy, and I love Italy. Both me and my husband want to learn Italian and go to Italy <laughs> and live there for a while and work. And I think that's a dream that we're still fervently holding on to. But she is, <laughs> she's this amazing hand letterer and designer who worked with all of these incredible um, design history big shots. And so you look through her book and she explains what was going on in her life during these projects and how she met her husband during, you know, and he was a creative too. And so I just love looking at all the beautiful pictures and giving me the inspiration from that, 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 you know, maybe one day I will be able to work in this big office and have all these amazing adventures. But for now, like I can do work just like she can and I can make it incredible. But those are the books that... I will talk about until I die. Those are the books. That makes some great candidates for the mini book club, Mm -hmm. I have to say. Um, So, Ashley, do you have any kind of books in this realm of being, like, very specifically creative that you want to talk about? Not really, no. I'm trying to... I did try to remember before we did this interview, because I knew we were going to be talking about design and that sort of thing. Um, There was a book about fonts... That I had to read for that graphic design class that um, everybody else, like all the graphic designers really liked. Um, All the English majors were like, we don't get it. But now that I'm um, now that I like have a business and I'm like, you know, knowing a little bit about design wouldn't kill me. I'm like, shoot, I wish I hadn't sold that book back to the bookstore. And I don't even remember what it was called. So, um, no, I have nothing. (laughs) How about you? Um. As we were having this conversation, something that kept coming up um, was Austin Kleon's Steel Like an Artist. Mm. Have you guys oh, read that one? No, I've definitely heard of it, though. I've been on my list um, forever, and I love his blog. Oh, <laughs> he, Austin Kleon is amazing. Um, and Stephanie, you would probably like his stuff. He describes himself as a writer <laughs> who draws, and his books and his blog are like just a collection of both his words and also his scribbles and his drawings and graphs. And he does a lot of just really freehand stuff and it's not beautiful, but it's like completely unique and completely him. Like he is unapologetic for his style Um, and just has a really neat perspective. And the whole book steal like an artist is all about, I mean, kind of like you said, we have this huge, you know, creative conscious as a society Mm -hmm. and no idea is original, but your task as an artist is to take something that inspires you and recreate it and make it your own. So yes, like you can lift from other people, but you need to do something different with it. You can't just copy it. Um, so the whole book, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe 50 pages and it's pretty little. It's more like a picture book than anything. It would take you like maybe 30 minutes to read, but I love that one. (laughs) Exactly. It's just a really fun one. Um, So Steal Like an Artist was his first. And then the second one that he did was Show Your Work. And it's all about how to 
you know, be a designer and be doing what you're doing or be a writer and be doing what you're doing, but also like share the in progress part of things so that people can get behind you and support you in this, you know, world where everyone's supposed to be sharing everything all the time. And he had a really like great perspective on it. So, right. And I probably need to read that book because one thing that I'm not (laughs) very good at is sharing my work, especially the in progress parts, because Mm -hmm. I think everyone has this idea that it's not okay to be a beginner, that that if you are doing work that's beginner quality, people are going to look over you and that's all they're going to see you as. And so I'm very, very bad at sharing my work unless I've looked at it long enough and I say, yes, this is a good project. I want to share this because this is what I want people to remember Mm -hmm. me as. And so that is definitely a book that I want to look into. Um, because sharing my work is definitely not easy, especially in this field. Yeah, I really enjoyed both of those. And then just his blog is really good, too. And I, I think it might be austincleon.com. I'm not exactly sure on that, but I can yeah. find it and put it in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. yeah, if you Google him, you'll find his blog, which I follow. And I really like it because he has those short blog mm-hmm. posts that are, like, super easy to digest. And it's like, yeah, they're like wow. six sentences. <laughs> it's like you just summed that up in less than a paragraph. And that was like a, like very true thing you just said congratulations to you sir because I take like 1500 words to say anything so (laughs) yep and his twitter feed is amazing too I love following him on twitter Mm -hmm. so little little bit of a fangirl over here sorry (laughs) that's fine a good recommendation so before we get going Stephanie would you like to let people know where they can find you around on the internet and social media Sure. So I used to have a website, but I took it down because I feel almost like I'm gloating saying this, but I had so many inquiries for work that I had to say no to a lot of people. So all of my work now is through referrals and through other people who are getting work done. And Hey, that's not a bad way to go. No. About it. Don't be ashamed of that. <laughs> no, but it's kind of silly when people are like, oh, where's, you know, what's your website? And I say, oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> no. And so if you go on to Behance, it's behance.net slash SC Hammer. So if you look at that, you can see some of my more curated projects that I think really show what I do and what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And then I have my Twitter and my Instagram that's both I am Steph Hammer. And it's pretty easy to find me online Excellent. that way. Yeah. yeah. We will link to all of that in the show notes as well so people don't have to remember it right off the uh, bat here. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with us, Steph. This has been a great conversation. I think a lot of people are really going to say me too when they hear it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. You are so wonderful. And I'm so happy that I was able to do this. And I feel like I really had to dig deep and remember (laughs) things and think about things deeper. And so I think this has definitely been a learning, growing experience for me. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us 
at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag Chasing Creative on Twitter and Instagram. If there's a guest you'd love to hear from on the podcast or if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at ChasingCreativePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.